thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. So we've just seen, Paul said to the Ephesians, imitate God, imitate God. We see Paul wrote to the church in Rome, in Romans 8.29, that it was God's plan. He says, those God foreknew, he predestined, so he planned to be conformed to the image of his son. So it was God's plan that you become like Jesus. Conformed to the image of his son means becoming like Jesus. And we also saw, didn't we, just then, well, kind of, if anyone actually caught what the bit of the Bible we read, um, in uh, the first letter of John in 2 verse 5, it says, This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And that is both kind of like the how Jesus lived and also the what Jesus lived. But we're going to be focusing on the how. So all through the New Testament, you see that the disciples got it, that they understood that part of the plan was that they should be becoming like their Lord. They should be becoming like their teacher. They should be becoming like their friend, Jesus. They should be becoming like ultimately their savior, Jesus. Now, what I want to do is truly help you try and get the link, because we've been spending kind of like the last few weeks doing looking at be with Jesus, I want you to get the link of how that totally leads to become like Jesus. So I think we all know some of this Bible truth where it says that kind of like who you hang around, often you become like. So we see it in 1 Corinthians 15 where it says bad company corrupts character. And we know that to be true, and those of us that are parents of teenagers, that probably takes up quite a bit of our prayer time, doesn't it? And, and it's true. If you hang around with people who are racist, you are likely to become more racist than you might already be. If you hang around with people who take illegal drugs, you are more likely to be ending up taking illegal drugs yourself. The converse is also true, praise God. As it says in Proverbs 13:20, it says, "Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You, you hang around a wise person, it will leak into your life. You hang around a generous person, it will inspire you to become more generous. So you hang around kind people, it will provoke kindness from within you. And guess what? You hang around Jesus you will become more like Jesus. You hang around Jesus' people and you will hopefully become more like Jesus. You know, it's interesting to, uh, to note that Paul said, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Imitate God because you are his dear children. And I think this is really interesting because in the natural, in natural life and natural families, who are the people that influence us the most in terms of 
who we become like and what we become like. It's that Richard, you get a point as well. You get to keep that all week as well. Our parents. Our parents, and for some of you that might be quite a difficult kind of like thing to process because you didn't have a happy family experience growing up. For others, you think on it with great joy. But it is, it is our parents, and actually really excited. In two weeks' time, we've got a guest preacher coming, a lady called Rachel Turner, whose whole ministry is around kind of how we raise children, both as a church and also as family. I'm really looking forward to that. But, you know, Paul's reference to parenthood is not surprising because you become like your parents, and we want to become like our father in heaven, don't we? You know, if we make him our father, we want to become like our father in heaven. Because at the end of the day, kids always end up copying their parents, don't they? Whether they like it or not. Just a couple of kind of like slightly trivial things. But there are things that my parents grew up, when I grew up, my parents said that even to today, I will say them and I have no idea what it means. Okay? So, and by the way, Mum's had to stay at home watching, waiting for a nurse to arrive. And um, so this is for you, Mum. But um, so if anyone were to uh, kind of like say the word handbag, yes, I can't help but go, a handbag. <laughs> I've no idea why. <laughs> I've no idea why other than my mum and dad said it every time someone said the word handbag. I've just picked it up and I just repeat it because I hung around them a lot. For my kids, it's the word sophistication, okay? I was a big Harry Enfield fan back in the 80s and uh, there's an amazing, I, I think amazing sketch, <laughs> please don't hold me to account on that, where he's doing this Yorkshireman, all right, okay, George Whitebread, the Yorkshireman. I'm a Yorkshireman, I say what I like and I like what I Blooming well say, and, uh, and someone says the word sophistication, and he goes, sophistication, sophistication, don't talk to me about sophistication, I've been to Leeds, <laughs> and I just love it, and so any time in our house, either Leeds is mentioned, or sophistication is mentioned, so my kids in 40 years time, you'll be able to go up to them and go, sophistication, they'll go, sophistication, don't talk to me about sophistication, and yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Pippa. Sorry, no more shouting, Pippa. Sorry. <clears throat> and uh, hey, that's all a bit shallow, isn't it? But I hope as well that my kids, when they see me being kind, it inspires them to be kind. When they see me being generous, that it will help them to learn to be generous. And hey, on the other side, when they see me being judgmental, when they see me being proud, when they see me refusing to admit that I'm wrong, I mean, let's face it, all these are just made up. Um, hopefully, they'll go, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> Our Father, thankfully, is perfect. Jesus, thankfully, is perfect. But if we realize that the ones that we spend the most time with, the ones who are there when we wake up, the ones who are there when we come home from school or when we come home from work, the ones who are there sat around a dinner table, the ones who are there to give us a kiss 
good night. They're the ones that shape us. They mold us and they form us. And this is why be with Jesus is so important. It starts there because he is the one who is there when we wake up. He is the one who is there when we go off to work. He is the one who's there when we sit down for dinner. And he might even be the one there with a bedtime kiss for us. So being with Jesus is where it starts. And God calls us to be with him, calls us to love him, and calls us to worship him. Now, a bit of a philosophical question here. Why does God call us to worship him? Why does he call us to worship him, to love him, to adore him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? I've heard people push back on the whole concept of God wanting to be worshipped. Um, kind of like people who are kind of, like, kind of more militant atheists would actually push back and say stuff like, what kind of being just creates a species so that they can be worshipped? What kind of being just, you know, what kind of, what kind of being that is their kind of main aim? It's just like, I'm going to create billions of people in order that they can kind of worship me and they, they, they try and use that as a as a kind of uh, attempt to kind of like totally kind of like dishonor God's name and dishonor God's character and I, 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 I absolutely know that God 100% calls us to worship him but they are implying that somehow God is some kind of needy deity that requires our worship to fulfill a need in him in them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I just don't personally think that is the case. I think God has everything he needs in and of himself. And he calls us to worship him, not to fulfill a need in him, but to fulfill a need in us. And we have many needs, don't we? We have needs to know we are loved. We have needs to know our identity is solid, our identity is secure. We have needs to know that we have a purpose in this life. And we need to become like him to fulfill all that he has for us in this life. And so when Jesus calls us to worship and love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, it's because he knows that we need this. That doesn't mean God isn't absolutely and utterly glorified in our worship of him, of course. And there's this phrase which I think on quite a bit, which is this, what we behold, we become. You might have probably heard it before, what we behold, we become. And so in calling us to worship him, so as we have stood here this morning or sat here this morning, as we've raised our hands and raised our voices and we have worshipped God, Yes, God receives it because he made us to love him and he made us that he might love us. So of course he receives it. But as we fix our gaze on Jesus, we do it because we want to become like him. And he longs that we become like him. And by gazing upon him, beholding him, thinking about him, and, and we do that through worship, and we do it through reading the Word and the Bible, and we do that through gathering together as his people. Everything that we covered in the Be With Jesus section, 
is about fixing our eyes on Jesus, abiding deeply in that vine so that his nature becomes more our nature. That as Romans 8.29 says, as we heard, we become conformed to the image of Jesus. So, if we are to become like Jesus, what was Jesus like? This is your moment to feed back. I'd like you to get your phones out, please. If presuming you've got a smartphone. If you haven't got a smartphone, sidle up to someone who has, and they will work with you to make sure that your contributions make it onto the screen. We're going to create a word cloud, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, all together at one time. So if you have the next slide up, please, I want you to go to this website, slido.com. Nice and, nice and simple, S-L-I-D-O dot com. And you can do this at home as well. If you're watching at home, please, we'd love you to join in. And then when you get there, it will ask you to put a number in. Uh, you need to put that in. Um, I think you need the hash si um, signal uh, sign. And then 711894. And as you do that, it gives you a chance to submit a word, okay? I'd encourage you to make it just one word, okay? You can submit multiple one words, but don't write sentences, because that's not how you create word clouds, okay? I want you to submit what was, what is Jesus like, okay? And we shall see. Just give it a couple of minutes, give you a few minutes to, to send, kind of like post all that up there. So we did a little bit of this work as a leadership team where we sat together. This was probably about 10 months ago when we sat together and we said, what, what is Jesus like? We want to, for the sake of our church, for the sake of the new people that we're leading to Jesus, and for the sake of people that are engaging with us as a church, seeking like, what does this look like? We wanted to be able to say, we think this is what Jesus is like. Now, as you can see up there, you can create a very long list and we could probably keep going and keep going and keep going. And so we basically did this exercise and we kind of boiled it down to, yeah, just a number of different things. By the way, I will, um, I'll, I'll cut that out and I'll create a little JPEG and send it around church and, and so, you can do, so you can do that. But as you can see, it is hard to boil it down. Okay, it's hard to boil it down to just a few short phrases that we would be like, you know what, we think this is what Jesus is like, and therefore we're going to become like Jesus, we should become like this. Oh, Josie, I've just remembered we've got the bookmarks, haven't we? And don't do that now, we'll do that at the end. Josie created some really, really wonderful um, Be With Jesus bookmarks. Um, well, yeah, sorry, yeah, Gemma designed it, Josie got them printed. And um, so we'll, um, we'll make sure we've got them out for the end of the service. I'm going to very quickly just touch on all of the different six areas that we identified as a leadership team, saying we think if we're going to become like Jesus, this is what we should become like. I'm going to whistle-stop through them, because the reality is this is not a sermon for today. This is a framework for us for the next 5, 10, 15 years of becoming like Jesus as a church family. And there will be moments where we'll touch on all different elements of what it means to become like Jesus over our teaching, preaching, home church, courses, all of that different stuff that we will have going on. Number one, becoming secure in your identity. Jesus was secure in his identity. Before he had done a thing, God affirmed his identity at his baptism 
with this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. That was Jesus' identity. And then he goes on to give us the same identity as sons and daughters of God. Not the same identity as the son of God, yeah? But as children of God. In the first chapter of Don's gospel, he gave you, I put it in that because that's not what's in the original text, but he gave them, us, the right to become children of God. He adopted us as his own children. And it starts there. It's so important. By the way, you can still go on and do stuff for Jesus, even when your identity is still shot to pieces. But the rest of the stuff that we talk about becoming like Jesus, it has to be rooted and grounded in a right identity of who God has made us. We need to be able to say, I am a new creation. I am forgiven. I am loved. The past is forgiven. I am in a brand new covenant relationship with Jesus. And hey, if you're you're a reasonably new Christian, those of us that have been at this for maybe a few decades, we work on this all the time. Okay, it'll probably be something that we work on day in, day out until we get to the end of our time. But starting there, so important. Next slide. Jesus was a fruits of the Spirit person. And we are to become fruits of the Spirit people in our characters, in our personalities. That is where we are heading. Now, you see what we've done as a leadership team here? By putting this one in, we've got eight under one heading, yeah? <laughs> Smashed it. And, um, but, but kind of one of the things I said when I launched this framework is there has been so much done in the name of Jesus over centuries that hasn't looked anything like Jesus. And if all of those things had been put through the filter of these fruits, none of them would have happened. If all of them, if they've got their Bibles out and got turned to Galatians 5, 22, 23, they would not have been able to proceed with some of the awful things, of things that have been done in the name of Jesus. And whatever we do as a church, I want it to go through this filter so that I believe that as people come to us, they will experience Jesus and we will represent him well. For me, I find it's one of the very best just checklists for my own heart, for my actions, for realizing where I fall short and asking God for his grace and more of his Holy Spirit that this fruit might become more obvious. Next slide. Jesus was humble and servant-hearted and therefore we, as his followers, as his people, are also to become humble and servant-hearted. The Son of Man did not come to, ser- to be served. <laughs> I always get that wrong. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That was Jesus' own words about himself. I'm not here. I'm not here to kind of like put my feet up and you guys just to come and do my bidding. No, I'm here to demonstrate that there is this self giving, loving, sacrificial God in heaven who loves you. And I'm here to show you what he looks like. I'm going to do that by stripping off my clothes and I'm going to put a towel around my waist and grab another towel. I'm going to wash your stinking, smelly feet as a demonstration of just how much I love you. And also what your God 
is prepared to do to win you back. And then um, it's, it's repeated. Paul repeats it in um, Philippians 2.7. We've already heard that this morning from Helen, that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. I believe from reading the Bible, this is what our God is like. He is not brash. He is not arrogant. He is not self-serving. And Jesus deconstructed power, power within leadership, power-hungry leadership like no one else ever has nor ever will. This is our God, the servant king. Let us become like him. We, um, we've sung the lion and the lamb quite a few times this morning, haven't we? And that humble servant-hearted is the, is the lamb that we sing about. It is a metaphor to talk about the fact that he has laid himself down. But we've also sung about the lion as well, haven't we? And this is our next one, that Jesus was courageous and radically obedient. And because he was courageous and radically obedient, so we must be as well. Humility does not mean weakness. In fact, often it takes greater strength to be humble than anything else. And we see this courage in the man Jesus. By the way, every single one of these could be an eight-week preaching series. <laughs> I'm just touching on each of them so you get a, the whole picture. But Jesus combined courage with radical obedience. And he calls us to do the same. Just a couple of verses there. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. As we approach Easter, we will be refocusing on the Garden of Gethsemane. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The life that he has for you to live, the person he has for you to come, will involve courageous decisions that lead to radical obedience. And it's hard. It's blood, sweat, and tears hard at times. But as we started at the beginning of the series, it is where we find fullness of life. And I want to just point out as well, because, you know, we've spent some time on this. And you might look and go, hang on, where's the word holy? This is where the word holy sits. Okay? Holy simply means to be set apart for God's purposes. And radical obedience is what it takes to be holy, to be set apart for God's purposes. And so as it says in 1 Peter, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Your radical obedience will lead you to holiness because Jesus was and he calls us to be as well. Number five. Some people put this up on the word cloud, which is great. Becoming counter-cultural. Jesus rejected many of the social, political, and religious norms of his time. Okay? Social, political, and religious. If you haven't got that, you haven't read the Gospels closely enough. He was outrageous at times, which meant that he got called a friend of sinners. He got accused of all sorts of things, and yet he never put a foot wrong. He was our sinless savior, absolutely, utterly perfect. It just didn't line up with what everybody else thought it should look like. Anything that got in the way of sacrificial, 
grace-filled, inclusive love, anything that got in the way of righteousness, anything that got in the way of justice, he stood against it and he spoke out against it, often in really uncertain terms. And I have to say I'm aware that this is probably going to be one of the harder ones for us to work out as a church family. What does this mean? What exactly does it mean? You know, because we're not supposed to be countercultural in every way because there are some parts of our culture that are really, really good because they've been formed by centuries of Christian witness in this country. And discerning what we are to kind of like be conformed to and what we are to be countercultural on is a challenge. That's why we need home church. That's why we need relationships. That's why we work it all out. But as Paul said in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And the final one that we got to as a leadership team was this. Becoming inclusive and welcoming to all. This was one of the areas that got Jesus in trouble. The kind of people that he would let in. We only have to look at the disciples to see that, that he would be welcoming in the tax collector. He would be welcoming in the insurrectionists. He would be welcoming in the totally uneducated. He'd be welcoming in all sorts of people into his discipleship group. He would be reaching out to prostitutes and calling them to come and be his followers. That is the kind of person Jesus was. It was in his heart. It was in his heart. And we believe as a leadership that we are to follow his example. Probably one of the most challenging verses in the Gospels, maybe in the whole Bible, for those of us that follow Jesus, is when he said this, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the worst of sinners, which is what tax collectors effectively means, are not even the worst of sinners doing that. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? But there it is again, be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. It starts with the heart. And as you'll see when we get to do like Jesus, it works itself out in actions. And with this one, I'd say examine your heart, but also examine your calendar. See where you spend your time. See who you spend your time with. Then come back to this Bible verse. And do what most of us do, like, oh, it's too hard, Jesus, it's too hard. Not your will. No, yeah, that's what we do pray, isn't it? Not your will, but mine be done. And we should be praying, not my will, but yours be done. I've rushed through these, but this is just the beginning. There will be home church notes coming out. There will be a blog coming out tomorrow. We will be making space to think about this and process it. You know what the most important thing is that you go home and you take some time to, do, to, to just look at this. Again, I'll, I'll send this stuff out on email and WhatsApp. Take this list, sit before <laughs> God and go, what do you want me to change? How do you want me to change? But don't try rushing there without starting with be with Jesus. We start there. We allow his word and his spirit and his people 
and spiritual discipline to change us and transform us that we might eventually become like him. So this week, when you go to your business meeting, when you look after that patient, when you teach that child, as you maybe raise a family at home, as you volunteer, wherever you are, let's hope and pray people might experience a little bit more of the character of what our God is like that we see perfectly represented in Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm not, I'm not going to do a response because we've got more stuff to get through in the service, but please take this, do something with it, and we'll all become a little bit more like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. So rich. So just the starting of unpacking and things to be yeah, learning and developing with God's help in each of us. We're just going to keep this quiet place to spend a few minutes in prayer for Ukraine. Josh is just going to be uh, playing gently behind us. If you feel comfortable, I'm just going to give you some pointers. If you feel comfortable, pray with the person next to you or a couple of people. If you just want to pray quietly in your heart, that's really fine. If you don't feel comfortable praying with someone else, that's really fine. We're just going to keep this place of prayerful reflection. And um, Pete Gregg, in his book called Dirty Glory, gives some really, really helpful pointers for us right now to be praying. So for the people of Ukraine, we're going to pray for the people in their affliction. We're going to pray for the pastors and the priests. We're going to pray for the peacemakers and the politicians. Comfort for the people. Courage for the people, the pastors, the priests, the politicians, the peacemakers. Clarity for the peacemakers and the politicians. Let's just take a moment or two now. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day.